Hey, this is Richard Barron, Election Insider Podcast. I'm here with my co-host, Gary Vaughn. What up? We got uh, plenty of topics today to go over, but just please uh, follow us on Twitter at Richard Barron 2 and Daily Stocks Picks 3. Gary does his own podcast called Daily Stock Picks. He's partners with Trendspider, and that's going really well for him. So, Gary, um, I went with my girlfriend to see A Man Called Otto with Tom Hanks. Pretty good movie. Seems like everything Tom Hanks does is good. Guy's a hard worker. He's got a son who wants to be a rapper. <laughs> yeah, the only thing I, I don't like about what Tom Hanks did, Tom Hanks recently apologized for playing the gay character in Philadelphia. Oh, did he? he? Said it should have a gay character should have played it. But I thought acting was supposed to be acting. There's a bunch of actors apologizing now for the roles they played because they they aren't the type they aren't either gay or whatever it is. And but actors are supposed to be actors. I don't I don't get this whole thing, this new trend where people apologize for not being the character, not in real life, not being that of which they play. But maybe, you know, maybe he thought somebody else could have done it better if they were coming from a actual life experience. But I don't know. I stay out of those kinds of discussions. You, you, you want to have an opinion. Your opinion is your own. If you want to apologize, go ahead and apologize. Um, You want to give up the part, go ahead and give up the part. Uh, Bosom buddies, Tom Hanks would never have given up the part. Let's just say that. Right. Yeah, uh, God, Tom Hanks of Man Named Otto. Uh-huh. He might give up the part, part, but bosom buddies Tom Hanks, he would not give up the part. Yeah, um, that launched him. I can't yeah, remember that guy that he he was with. Yeah, it's the, it's always known as the other guy in Bosom Buddies. <laughs> you know, I don't. We briefly t- we we talked about the World Cup a few weeks ago, and I just want to briefly say this. I kept saying that, and other people did too. That Brandon Vasquez who plays for Cincinnati in MLS. He scored 18 goals last year, and he's a young guy. I think he's like 21. And we we didn't have a striker on that U.S. men's national team, but he's a striker. He finally played for the first time with the U.S. men's national team last night against Serbia. They lost, but 28 minutes in, he scored (laughs) on a beautiful header. And it's kind Does that of, mean Cincinnati is going to be in the uh, the running for uh, MLS? They, they did well last year because they were crappy for about their first three or four seasons. Listen, um, I, I I I am completely biased. I am rooting for Philadelphia again, um, just because if that happens, I'm going to the owners' box and saying hi to those dudes again. <laughs> yeah. Um, did did um, do you have any of those? um events coming up where you oh going? yeah so so we were supposed to start in february with a few women's events through mls um things have changed and i'm supposed to get an update sometime in the next month but from what i hear just like every other uh company they may be pulling back and doing some things in-house um but i think i've got 16 scheduled events and i continue wow. to tell them um uh, you know, you can do it in house, but you're not getting Gary. 
<laughs> well, and MLS is going all Apple TV this yes. year. <clears throat> Every single game is going to be on Apple TV Plus. It's anyway. kind of like Sunday Ticket. Yeah, it's. I don't know how it's going to do, but we'll see. I think well, if you're if you're an MLS fan, if you're a soccer fan, um, I think it they'll have some bumps at the beginning, but it's not NFL style where you're going to have millions of streams at once. Like you saw Amazon with the first couple of Thursday night NFL games, um, even though it was on TV, they still struggled with some of the streams. They got it ironed out, and now it's pretty much. Um, they could do it on their own if they want. Uh, I think you'll see that with Apple. I think they ironed out some of the stuff with Major League Baseball. The announcers, the coverage, the producing of, of the games isn't uh, top-notch. But I think for soccer, you could literally just put a camera in the stadium and be happy with soccer in my mind. Yeah. yeah. You, know, you don't need the announcers for everything. No. That's the other thing I like about soccer and the world cup because they don't have all that crap that the super bowl has with those halftime shows and seven hours of pregame and i mean i i don't know i'm just not into that but i I don't and then then what don't they don't they lengthen the the halftime during the super bowl from like 15 to 25 minutes or something too i think it's a half hour yeah yeah it's kind of ridiculous but so i'm reading this in the Guardian, Sam Levine, who is in New York, I almost think this guy interviewed me once. His name sounds familiar, but he wrote this article um, about this Republican judge and blocking her party from rigging electoral districts. And so this Maureen O'Connor, she, uh, the Republicans want to impeach her because she's refusing to let them distort electoral district districts to their advantage. And she is a really successful politician in Ohio. She's been Lieutenant governor before she's been a judge for 20 years and the they, judges have to retire at age 70. And so after two decades, she's leaving, but they have, now rejected the redistricting plan in Ohio three times. And this article was actually from back in April of last year, but it was, it's interesting because no, and the thing is, is that it came up in the guardian today and her name's, I guess. So her name is Maureen O'Connor, but last spring they were, they wanted to impeach her. And one of the Republicans um, high up in Ohio politics was saying she's no shrinking violet. She's got sharp (laughs) elbows and she can be swayed to reasonable arguments. Her legacy is carved in stone, but she takes a stand and sticks with it. And she has said that uh, they... She has said that she's not going to let she's going to vote her conscience. And just because she was um, appointed by a Republican and that she is a Republican, she said she's an independent judge and she has to 
uh, interpret the law as she sees it. And it's, it's just, you know, you get these partisan legislators and now they want to impeach judges who don't uh, vote according to their party. And that's just not the way judgeships should be. She just retired. I'm reading about her. I just Googled her. She just retired. Um, she has no apologies for speaking out against Republicans. Uh, she completely agrees with her decision. There's no apology for that uh, by the map drawers for the party that's in power. It's almost a go to uh, a to the to the victor go the spoils type of mentality. That's not representative government, she told the Huffington Post. That's dictatorship and that's not a constitution. Well, I'm wondering if it came up because I get I get an email from The Guardian every day. And I think this came up because she must have just retired um, within maybe at the end of last year. Yes. But it's it's I just found it interesting because they the Republicans apparently control 54 of the districts out of 54 to 46 in terms of district, but they were writing some plans where they would end up with like 65, 66% control of the districts. She was just saying, no, that's not right. I, I, it does, the article doesn't go into all of her, um, the opinion that she wrote, but um, apparently they are celebrating that she's leaving just so they can maybe get some of their redistricting plans. Um, through without uh, without the court getting involved and shooting it down. I think the court actually just has to approve it. But it we is are, it, oh, go the, ahead. Now, this Yahoo article is going on that the federal courts have stepped in, and two of the three federal court judges on the case were appointed by Donald Trump and attempted to stave off federal interven- intervention, which they called a dubious proposition. But because it's gone on for so long, it seems that you know federal federal step in might be might be the next step. The uh, on January twenty fourth, there's an update. You know the what we talked about, like Coming County last last episode, right? John Bouge, special <laughs> to Pen Live, he wrote another article, and the title is Pennsylvania County Official has had enough with 2020 election recounts. He says, it's time to move on. So this commissioner, Lycoming County Commissioner Scott Metzger on Tuesday of this week said he spent enough time looking back and that the hand recount of the 2020 presidential and auditor general race has been completed. We did our due diligence. It's time to move on. And of course, we went over last time that the ba- those only 26 votes changed hands. And I think Trump ended up with a net seven out of those 60,000 votes. And what bothers me about this is I got down to the last paragraph and it says um, uh, the recount of the county's 83 precincts was conducted by 28 county employees who combined put in 559 hours. They were supervised by Lehman and two others. They did not get paid extra, but compiling their hourly rate totaled $11,452, $0.10 for every county residence, maybe $0.11 since the county brought 
them lunch, he added. But that that's what drives me nuts is, you know, yeah, it's only 10 cents. You can say, hey, we got justice for 10 cents, but then they're not letting it go. No, because the attorney, Karen DeSalvo, she was speaking for the election deniers. She raised concerns. She attacked the elections director, Forrest K. Lehman, personally and cited alleged incidents of voter fraud across the country, even though I don't know how many uh, court cases were lost across the country by these election deniers because none of them have any proof of anything. And she criticized the Department of State in in Pennsylvania for opposing the release of the county's clear vote record from that election. Those are a collection of spreadsheets containing raw data for each ballot but with no voter ID information. Um, You know, it's disgusting. This Jeffrey Stroman said, who describes himself as a member of the conservative Patriots organization. (laughs) He says that those, these things should be allowed to be seen by everyone. But, you know, you were talking about the cost Mm -hmm. of recounts. The thing I liked about recounts in Texas when I worked there is that if you asked for a recount, you had to pay for it. Mm -hmm. In Georgia, if you're within a half a percent, it's an automatic recount and the candidate doesn't have to pay for it. The candidate still has to request it. But, um, you know, if you make the person pay for the recount, it they think twice about doing it and whether it's really going to benefit them. I've never seen a recount that um, moved the needle either way in not only in any significant way, but just more than I think the the biggest one I was involved with, it changed 11 votes. And that was the mayoral race in the city of Atlanta back in 2017 when Mary Norwood ran against Keisha Lance Bottoms, I think it was. Either that or it was in 2013 against Kasim Reed. Do ballots do ballots ever become public record? No. You mean like where the public can go in and inspect them? Yeah, because like Freedom of Information well, Act. I was reading up about Freedom of Information Act, and it's interesting because I continue to think that the FBI and CIA are hiding something about the Kennedy election or Kennedy assassination uh-huh. because – Through the Freedom of Information Act, the press has asked multiple, multiple times. And this goes to all of the classified documents um, that are being found in every president and every, you know, every representative at the highest level. They all have classified documents. Well, I think we overclassify documents, but specifically uh, with the uh, Open Records Act, they're able to ask for CIA and FBI records. But what happens is every time they go and ask for them, the CIA and the FBI continue to say it's classified information and they start redacting. So every time it's asked for, they start redacting a separate kind of, you know, they have to redact it every time and they redact it so that you can't read it. There are probably documents that have some kind of uh, some classified documents are protected for decades. Right. Well, and, and with the Freedom of Information Act. They're supposed to supply them, but they can redact them. And it's just crazy that, what, 50 years, 60 years later, 70 years later, um, 
they're, they're still redacting based on, uh, you know, I, I don't know about you. I'm in the private sector. Any company that I've ever worked for five uh-huh. years, five years is, is like classified information. Anything that's older than five years, what in the world would somebody do with it? Um, and even with the, the Kennedy assassination, I just thought it was crazy. But what I was thinking kind of to, to tie it together is a, if, if ballots are ever public record, some of these wackos 20 years from now could go uh-huh. back and request those ballots and do well, their own recounts. So now in Georgia, the ballot images are captured and those, I think now counties are just putting them up because they're tired of the open records. <laughs> so you can see the images that they post those to their websites usually, either that or the state does. And But you can't see individual ballots. Yeah, you can see individual ballots. It, they're an image of every ballot. and But you can't go and gra- get a hold of the paper ballots, no. You would have to go to court, and a judge would have to allow for that. I think it would be really, really hard for a judge to rule in favor of having somebody inspect those paper ballots. I mean, they tried doing it at Fulton, uh, a couple of times, and the judge from I think he's making Bibb County. He he did not allow them to be inspected, and then he ended up with a death threat or two. And uh, the police went and arrested the person was, up in Tennessee, like right away. After if those ballots are being placed on, kind of, does it include like? Could you go and see who I voted for? No, because it's not tied to a voter. Okay. Yeah. There's no identifying information on these. Once the ballot comes out of the absentee uh, ballot uh, envelope, there's no way to identify it to anyone. And, and on the, the BMDs, the ballot marking devices, there's there's no identifying information either. So hmm. they, um, you know, it's still a secret ballot. And that, and I was going to say, man, the Democrat and the Republican Party would love to troll those ballots if they had identifying information on them to see who voted for and against kind of thing. Well, that's why, you know, there's all these people out there, they want receipts. I want a receipt of how I voted. Well, if they allowed that, then you could go out and sell your vote. Yeah. You you walk out and show everybody how you voted. You're just going to go out. People are going to pay you to vote a certain way. You go out, you show them your, a copy of your ballot, and then you're going to get a check. And that's why that isn't allowed. But people don't understand that that is one of the big downfalls of that. The other, um, so Republican Party all over the country has been complaining about ballot harvesting. And which is where they, you know, everybody, people vote absentee by mail and they, they accuse people of going around and harvest taking picking up tons of ballots from people in neighborhoods and then they go and deposit them and they say you know they probably get into them and change the votes well in michigan there the republican uh gop chair of the state matt DePierno, and this is in a an article in bridge michigan um the author of the article is not listed. However, they, the Republicans are saying that they want to 
pay people to collect absentee ballots now. <laughs> and these people, they don't realize this is illegal in Michigan. You cannot harvest ballots and go around and do that. There was a proposal to an, elect, an election law measure approved by 60% of Michigan voters um, that DePierno says makes ballot harvesting legal. But it's not the case, according to the Secretary of State, who says the law continues to state clearly who's eligible to vote and how they can cast their ballot. Uh, it says we refer for prosecution anyone who attempts to break our election laws. The only people under Michigan law that can return a voter's ballot is the voter who requested it, an immediate family member, someone residing in the same household, or in certain circumstances, an authorized assistant appointed by a local election clerk. So they, But they want to try to do this ballot harvesting, which is, and part of the reason it says they, excuse me, want to do ballot harvesting is because they're saying now they need to catch up with the Democrats on voting by mail, which is something they've railed against now since uh, 2020. And in a lot of states, they're against ballot by mail anyway. But it just, you know, a lot of these things, these these uh, beliefs that they had are coming home to roost. And they're realizing now that they are at a disadvantage by telling all their voters not to vote um, by mail or vote early. There are there was a in Georgia, the Albany Herald here um, wrote, had an article, and this is just from staff reporters on January 24th. MIT, MIT's election data and science lab in conjunction with the School of Public and International Affairs at the University of Georgia surveyed voters about how they, how they feel about the voting process in, in Georgia. And it says, that 98% of voters reported no issues counting, casting their ballots. This is a 2022 poll on their experience then. 95.3% reported a wait time of less than 30 minutes. 97% of the voters rated their interactions with poll workers as good or excellent. 99% of voters felt safe in their polling location. 89.7% voters feel confident in the election process. 77.4% of voters felt SB202 didn't impact their ability to cast a ballot, which, and 14.8% said it made it easier. I don't really know how they could say it was easier. I, I don't think people know the law. And I 77.4% said it didn't impact their ability. That's, I mean, I would say that that would be true because it, it targeted mostly people who, who voted by mail, and there was probably a little impact voting early. Uh, 90.7% of voters feel that it's easy to vote in Georgia. And so I guess that's good news, at least in Georgia, that people are expressing confidence in the voting process. You know, All I want is electronic voting. Yeah. I mean, all, all I care about is it should be as easy. Um, they've got they've in this state, they've done a really good job 
of I can renew my driver's license without having to go in. I can renew my uh, car registration without going in. Ironically, I can't renew my library card without going in. <laughs> really? Yeah. So I had to renew my library card. I, I do a lot of books, um, digital uh, subscription stuff. And, um, and if you, ha- by the way, if you're paying for digital subscriptions, it's crazy because half the libraries out there have free digital subscriptions of everything that you need. Like um, to newspapers and all that kind of stuff, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. So what you're getting through Apple news on your iPhone, you can get, you can do digital s- subscriptions through your library and get all that. You can't get all of it. You can get a lot. Depends on your library. And um, can you pull all that up on your phone? Yeah. Jesus, yeah. I didn't know that. Well, welcome to, you know, the other podcast that I started was Minimalism and uh, Financial Independence Retire Early. Know where uh-huh. you're spending your money. But it was interesting because, um, and, and you'll like this one, knowing how, uh, I, I will put it delicately, how frugal I am. Um, but I walked into the library and I said, yeah, I, I need to renew my library card. And she goes, well, it's $2. And I said, I don't. I don't need a card. And she goes, Oh, if you just need the digital, we can just do that for you right here. <laughs> I, gotta, I need to go down and get a library. Uh, yeah. Well, or and, a digital, and a digital subscription. Code, I think there's also, um, and I, I want to say like the wall street journal or the New York times or some, or Washington post, you can apply to like the New York public library, even if you're uh-huh. not a resident. And you can get their their benefits, yeah, yeah. So can you can you get a digital subscription to the New York Times through the DeKalb County Library System? I don't know about DeKalb. Um, there are some. Oh no! Oh, you're in Cobb County. Yeah, I live in Cobb. I don't think that there's one through Cobb, um, but I believe that there's one through. Um, uh, I want to say Cumming. Oh, um, okay. Up in that area, but. Uh, but no, I, I, I can use my parents' um, library card, digital library card in New Jersey, and they get New York, they get New York Times, Washington Post, Wall Street Journal, um, but they also pay twenty, thirty thousand dollars a year in but, property tax. You know, your frugality though allowed you at what age forty eight to retire, right? Yeah, yeah, I retired at. I retired. That's one reason why everyone listening to this podcast <laughs> to go over to Gary's daily stock picks. Uh, yeah podcast because he is an example what is your other podcast it's about what's the name yeah so i've only done like three episodes so far of that podcast but the goal was to do one a week and to identify things in my life that i've done over the years that have allowed me to retire and the first one was uh the first episode was find your number um and there's so many tools out there to do that the second episode was how do you limit expenses and what should you be spending on? Um, and how, you know, like for instance, one of the examples I gave was I switched from shopping at Publix to shopping at Walmart. That saved me about $25 a week. And you know what I did with that $25 a week? I pumped it, it into a, yeah, Vanguard, VOO. Uh, and over time, you can go onto a compound multiplier uh, calculator online and see in 20 years, that $25 a week, it's close uh-huh. to a million bucks you know, for 20, yeah, it's just because it just compounds. Um, so that was the second episode. The third episode was, um, and, and the reason why I did this third was how do you increase your income? Um, because it's impossible. 
and can and, you, you know, can you get the same products at Walmart that you do at Publix? I mean, I I, I go at Kroger. I don't know if Kroger's any cheaper than Publix. Kroger's cheaper than Publix. Some, sometimes I go to Publix, but Kroger is more um, convenient, and I always use the thing to get cheaper gas there too. Yeah, remember I drive a an electric car, so I don't need the gas. So, I mean, adding all that stuff up and understanding what you're spending. Uh-huh. That's kind of the the key point of financial independence. So I started that podcast. I, I've kind of slacked off on it. The pod the podcast for the stocks is really where people listen. The other thing I get a lot of comments, but it's not timely. It's something you can listen to at any point in time and maybe get some tips over. Um, I think it's like a 15, 20 minutes per episode. And I do it on YouTube as well. So if you want to watch it on YouTube, I just kind of edit some stock footage together. So it makes a little bit more interesting. Um, Mm. But yeah, yeah. So I I mean, between those, you know, living frugally, I've understood how to how to do it, Um, you know, and in retiring it. My goal when I was younger was always to retire. I didn't know I was following this, but I've always been frugal. And, you know, not having kids definitely helps and making sure that you're optimizing your um, your investments. So but, you know, again, just kind of the point uh, about elections. I wish it was electronic. I wish it was more efficient because my my time we've gone over on this podcast, how bad my absentee ballot experience was um, for the runoff election here in Mm -hmm. Georgia. Right. And how that was and standing in line, trying to having to go back. If I wasn't retired, Rick, that would have been a pain in the ass, complete pain in the ass. It'll be interesting to see if they get rid of uh, runoffs in Georgia through the legislature this year. I don't know if there's going to be a bill passed, but I think no, they're trying to get rid of it. And there was a there's a move in Texas to get rid of runoffs for all the nonpartisan elections at the at the local level, like city cities and school boards and stuff, because there's runoffs for everything in Texas. Um, I, think, I think the runoff here in Georgia makes sense to a certain extent. Um, I, I, I don't like that. It's a runoff that, um, it, 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 I mean, we talked about with uh, the the third party thing and and ranked voting. Mm-hmm. Um, I like that system a lot better than kind of even a runoff. But nobody's yeah, the ranked choice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that, um, that's where a third party comes into play in the United States is when you have something like that. And right now, the two parties. I, mean, I was having this debate over the debt ceiling. Um, I'm a probably leaning Democrat. And I was, it's funny, if you haven't listened to the All In podcast, um, they're, they're basically four or five billionaires that basically talk about politics and, and, and just life and startups in San Francisco and this whole thing. Um, and there's one guy on there, David Sachs, who is uh, probably if Ron DeSantis gets elected president, he may be secretary of state. Um, he's, oh, really? Yeah. He's, I mean, he's hooked up and he's very common sense and I do like him. And, and again, I don't like Ron DeSantis because I think Ron DeSantis is a bully, but I like this David Sachs guy. And so they were talking about, um, uh, some politics and this is an interesting one. Um, you know, what led me down here was just the debt ceiling. And I hate that both parties are trying to use this debt ceiling as, as a negotiating tactic. 
Um, you know, if my credit card bill is due, I don't use it as a negotiating negotiation tactic with the credit card company to say, well, maybe I'll pay you if you just give me more, uh, more, more of a ceiling. But this David Zach guy, they were, they were talking and this is an interesting one, Rick. And this is, this is where, um, elections have consequences. There's a guy who's in charge of Melvin capital. Um, and, uh, I think Melvin capital, uh, I think it's Melvin capital. If you watch, uh, is it Melvin capital? Um, yeah, Melvin capital. No, he's the, that's who they went bankrupt for. Um, but there's a guy who is in charge of, uh, I want to say Ken something. Um, uh, I'll have to look it up, but he's in charge of the biggest brokerage house that basically almost bankrupted Robin hood. And, uh-huh. uh, uh, and essentially he's a very big donor to DeSantis. And I did not know this, but if you listen to the all in podcast, you can hear the, the entire story told by this guy, Chamath. Um, if DeSantis is elected, the theory, and this is just one theory, is that he will make this guy uh, treasury secretary. And the guy is worth something like four or $500 billion. Now, a lot of billion. that is tax. You mean million? Billion. No, we're talking billion. This guy's like just loaded. Um, so he's richer than he's the richest man on the planet. He's one of the richest. Yeah. He's definitely one of the richest men. And he's a big donor to DeSantis. Now here's what I didn't know. He could essentially cash out of all of his, um, his like holdings and stuff and collect all those billions of dollars. And if you're treasury secretary, it's all done tax free. Really? So if you're, if you're, yeah, if you're put in and, and you'll have to go to the all in podcast to listen to it, it's, it, I'll send it over to you and we can link it in the, the description below. Um, great, great, just discussion about it. But it, it, I was shocked, um, that this is something. And again, these guys are billionaires. So this is stuff that they know and they, they just look at, I didn't know this. But you think about Mnuchin under Trump, you think about all the Goldman Sachs guys that went to work for Trump. Uh-huh. There there might have been a reason they went to work for Trump, even though they may not have necessarily agreed with him. Um, if you could if you told me I could cash out of everything today and not pay a dime in taxes, I'd do it. In a heartbeat, I would do it. I'd have so much more cash in hand. Um, you know, I've got to optimize my tax ta- strategy right now to live on. So it's an interesting one. But yeah, I'll, I'll send you the, it's a great podcast to listen to. I really find it super, super interesting. And, and just that, that fact alone told me, you know, elections have consequences and um, the, the, the debt ceiling to me um, kind of showed, I hate Biden. Uh, and I, Biden put out this tweet and I think Schumer uh, compounded on it that the Republicans have this um, tax bill. And they want a flat tax, a use tax, where you get uh-huh. charged like, I think, 10, 15, 20% on, on use. Uh, but there's no income tax. There's no property tax. There's no taxes. There's no sales tax. It is literally just a use tax. So if you buy a car, yeah, it's 30% more expensive. So, but it's you know, a value you added need, tax is essentially yeah, or no? You don't need the IRS. You don't need anything because it's just when you buy something, you pay a tax. Okay. That's it. So, you know, cash would flourish and underground kind of stuff might, you know, be a little bit, eh, 
But you, you can, there are ways around taxes today, even on that stuff. But it's interesting because the Democrats are pushing this as they want to raise your taxes by 30%. Well, no, most people's taxes on a use tax would actually go down. Um, if you that would be interesting, like for local governments and stuff, because like I drive around Atlanta and I see so many homeless and so much garbage in this city. And I mean, if I ran for mayor, I would tell everyone, you, if you want your city cleaned up, vote for me. I'm going to raise yeah. your taxes and I'm going to find housing and I'm going to make housing um, affordable housing a priority. And I'm going to find, I'm going to fund homeless shelters because I don't like to see all these tents everywhere. Yeah, but you know what? And this this was a good, uh, again, all in podcast was where I heard this. And it was, it was brilliant to me. I don't think it's a, it's a case of, you know, we're, we're treating homelessness, but we're not treating what's the cause of homelessness. Right. It's mental illness and and drug addiction. And so we're not, we're not addressing that. And if we actually address that, I think you might see fewer homeless, fewer tents. um, And you might see those types of things, you know, it wouldn't become obsolete because obviously even, you know, countries and stuff that address these things, it's it's a little less noticeable per se, and it's a little more. Um, well, like in Europe, they have seven hundred million people in Europe, mm-hmm. and they have a fraction of the homeless that we do. And um, I think it was on the Daily podcast for the New York Times. I'm gonna. I'd have to go back and look, but there was this big, huge study done on. I don't know if I believe this still, mm-hmm. but argument is that most of the homelessness is not caused by drugs or mental illness. It is caused by a lack of affordable housing. And a lot of people get pushed out of the housing market because they can't afford to live anywhere. So it's got to be a lot of temporary people that that happens to. I don't, I don't know. I, I find it hard to believe when you see a lot of the people, the homeless people, because I, I go down the path here in Atlanta and I walk my dog or run on it. And under every overpass, there is a plethora of people and they've got tents and garbage and, you know, you can smell, they just go to the bathroom wherever they are and it reeks. But I don't think those are the people that are homeless because of lack of affordable housing. I think they're unemployed. I think, they probably have some type of mental or drug addiction kind of yeah, sickness. I, I think you're right on that. Um, I think the the lack of affordable housing are the people who may be staying in their car, yeah. maybe staying with friends, um, have you know extended their their welcome. Uh, maybe there's a tent city like in California. I know there's a tent city, uh, and and people have jobs and they go from tent city to their job and they just can't afford homes. But, but it, it, it's it's a shame that I mean I don't before the pandemic you would see homeless I don't remember the piles of garbage everywhere and the tents everywhere that there are now it seems like it's exploded wow. in the last four years five years maybe I'm wrong but 
I don't remember all these things under all the overpasses in the city. So is this your mayoral announcement? <laughs> no, but you know, I, it's, I, I, yeah. And the root cause has to be addressed. And that would be the other thing is that I would want there to be more mental health resources. Well, and I it mean, was interesting too, on the all in podcast, because they addressed this. Ironically, it was Ronald Reagan way back when that cut a significant amount of national spending on mental illness and it never got refunded. Um, so it was, and, and mind you, you know, you think about the movie one flew over the cuckoo's nest and all of the shock treatment kind of movies of mental illness in those homes. Mm-hmm. That's what drove, that was the, the, the environment that was in the seventies and eighties that made Reagan kind of say, Hey, we're not doing things right. Let, let's pull this back and not spend so much money on this. Um, and so, you know, I, I don't want to say that he was wrong, but not, not, not getting it addressed at all. I mean, what is Congress really addressed for us? <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, I don't know. That's... And it's, it's, it's local. I mean, obviously you go to, you were in Portland. Um, I know, you know, the MLS finals that were in 2021 in Portland, I personally did not work them. Um, but the stories that came back from the two people that worked them, they were, li- they would literally walk from the hotel to the stadium. And it was maybe five, 600 yards, not, uh-huh. long, not too far. Uh, almost daily, they would have somebody overdosing. Uh, they worked for five days and they said almost daily uh, during their walk, they would see somebody either dead or dying. Uh, and then paramedics would come and scoop them up. So, yeah. Um, yeah. And, you know, with all the shootings we have here, and I can't remember the other day I saw how many mass shootings have happened yeah. in the U.S. this year already. It's something like 130 or 40 in less than a month. And a mass shooting, I think, is at least three people killed. Yeah. Um, and there have been some big ones in California just in the last week. Between homelessness and that, something in, in our society is just broken completely broken um anyway i was gonna get to <laughs> this an uplifting whole, podcast <laughs> yeah the, this whole thing about so in north fulton there are a bunch of these cities johns creek milton sandy springs roswell they have been because of former commissioner liz hausman and current county commissioner, Bob Ellis, those two voted and pushed the commissioner's court to subsidize elections for the cities in Fulton County. They decided that the cities should not have to pay for their own elections. And this is because they said it's double taxation if they have to pay for their elections. Because their 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 citizens are already paying taxes to the city, they should not. But and they're paying taxes for the county. The county runs the elections for the cities, and in the years when 
there is there are no countywide elections like federal or state elections. The cities come to the counties and the counties do not have to run these elections. They can say no. But the cities come to them and say, administer our elections. Now, Commissioners Houseman and Ellis did not want the cities to be charged for that service. But if the county's paying for it, if the county then has to pay for it, then the bill goes to the county. If the cities pay for it, then the bill is at the city level. It's not double taxing the voters to make the city residents pay for their own elections. They're basically, the county isn't paying for it, the city's paying for it. That's the way it should be. In Texas, when I was there, if if you were a water control district or a school district or a city, then there were a bunch of other districts there. Municipal utility districts, I can't remember what else. They would have to, anything that went onto a ballot, no matter what kind of an election it was, if a city put a ballot or an item on a ballot that was on a federal election, they would have to pay their pro rata share of the number of registered voters that were going to be involved in that election. So everyone was charged. So the county's bill would go down. The district or political jurisdiction would then have to pay for that so that there was always cost sharing. I tried to get that done here in Fulton County. The uh, commis- the short-sighted commissioners, Ellis and Hausman, decided that it was better to have them not pay for anything for any election. And they decided that they would charge, they, they pushed to charge the cities $2.96 per registered voter. And if for a runoff, $2.46 per registered voter, as though the the cost of that election is going to be less. It'll be less overall if you have fewer cities in it, but the cost for per registered voter shouldn't be less. So I always advocated that we should just not run elections for cities. If they're gonna if they're gonna get a subsidized election, why are we even doing them? There's no reason to do them. If they're this unhappy about the bill, let them do their own elections. Now Sandy Springs did that back in 2015. They decided to run their own election. They contracted out to um, a gentleman who had some experience on a board in Forsyth County. Sandy, the election got screwed up and the city of Sandy Springs ended up in front of the state election board for a bunch of things they screwed up. So now uh, Sandy Springs and the other three northern cities want, because based, the, the cost of elections has gone way up because of this new voting system. And so the Fulton County election staff proposed charging the cities $11.48 per registered voter for this year's municipal elections. Now, this was in Appen Media um, on January 24th. This article was in AppenMedia.com by Amber Perry. Now that they... So then I guess there was pushback from the board of um, there was pushback. 
the county later agreed to charge the city's $9.38 per registered voter. So now all these other cities are saying, no way. We are going to Alpharetta, Roswell, Johns Creek, Milton. They are going to, they want to appoint a regional uh, <laughs> elections administrator. And they want to go to all paper, not use the voting machines, and run their own elections. That's going to mean that the city of Milton, for all of their races, they are, if they... They are not, I don't know if they're going to have to hand count these things, but you're talking about probably for city of Alpharetta, I think they have about, you know, uh, let's see, Roswell is 92,500 people, more than twice the residents of Milton. They're kind of saying, wait, we don't want to do just a paper election. We would rather do electronic voting. These city clerks, uh, every time their cities complained about this, the city clerks were like, I, we don't want to do these elections. We hope our city council just just does it. But it looks like now Fulton won't have to do the elections for those four northern cities, which is good news. It will be interesting to see if these cities can pull off these elections. Are you throwing and, your hat in the ring for this one? No, I don't want to <laughs> Like the city, the the former Johns Creek mayor, Mike Boddicker, he um, he criticized the hell out of me, especially in this one meeting where he started cussing and swearing over an audit, like a financial audit of some things in the elections department. So in this public meeting, he starts swearing at me. Now, this guy had been arrested for or the police had showed up for domestic violence at his house in 2019. He was involved in a an ethics probe from where he was running him and somebody else within the city. They were running um, candidates uh, against some of their opponents and they were paying them. So there was an ethics uh, investigation on that. The city of Roswell had all these financial programs uh, that came out the week after she criticized me at the same meeting um, for the same thing. And one of the other, another one of the cities had some other issue, but it's, it's the, the people that are in those Northern cities are not the friendliest of people on those city councils. And a lot of them are election deniers too. But so I'm looking forward to the fall to see what happens. They have until March 1st to decide whether they're going to, whether they're going to participate in the November election, whether they're going to have the County do it. It's going to be a big, none of them have election staff, so they're going to have to hire election staff. And I don't know where they're going to get experienced people. They're probably going to end up having to have one of the vendors do a bunch of the work. They're going to have to contract with a vendor when the vendors are going to cost, charge them a bunch of money. So I don't know how much money they're going to save if they want to run an election the way the county does with all the voting equipment. They're going to end up paying probably the same amount of money. They just don't like they don't want to have to pay the price for an election. And they've complained about it. Even even when it was two dollars and ninety six cents, they they whined about it. Um, so it's it's interesting that in Texas you can do that. The nice thing about it, we would get these 10. We would pay a 10 charge a 10 percent admin fee onto this. 
And then Texas law allowed that admin fee to go to the elections department. We would have to get approval from the board of commissioners to spend anything out of there. But we were able to send people to training. We were able to buy more equipment. There were a lot of things we could spend that money on because it would, you know, over two years, you run a bunch of elections. You got you get a pretty big um, service fund and it helped the elections department out tremendously to get that. But that'll never happen here. Okay. Um, I don't, do you have anything else today? I mean, I could talk for hours on this uh, Russia Ukraine war, but I think it's outside of the bounds of this podcast. <laughs> but I have, I, I spend so much time reading about that thing and listening to podcasts and watching videos um, that all confirm all of my views about Russia. But anyway, I won't talk about that. And we've already been on here for 52 minutes. Oh, well, it, I, and I, 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 just on that topic, I will tell you, it is an interesting because I told a friend today, the entire, uh, probably 100 out of the 250 years of existence that this country has been around 260, uh-huh. 270, the large majority of our foreign policy is just have it, have a war over somewhere else. It, yeah. It's not, it's not defense department. Um, you know, it's, 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 it's an offense department, uh, create a war, <laughs> you know, create a war over there. Just don't have it over here. And that, that's been our entire, uh, you know, defense. So uh, when people are bitching, because this particular friend was bitching at me about sending stuff over to Ukraine and why are we spending that money on, on uh, over here? And I said, listen, the money spent the tanks sitting over in Roswell at a uh, at, at an uh, army depot, I said we're just shipping it over to Ukraine. It's not getting yeah. used over here. There's no reason for it to sit over here. That that's not money that we're actually spending. The money we're spending is to send it over there because it does cost money. But it's not like we're buying stuff for these guys. Um, you know, those tanks are going to go to waste. Yeah, and it's 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 much more complicated to um, operate our or send our tanks over there and right. have them have them maintain uh, them operate operate them because they use a completely different type of fuel right and it takes much more it's much more complicated logistics to operate those m1 abrams than it is for like the the leopard tanks the german tanks but there the thing is they're saying the m1s aren't going to get there for more than a year yeah i mean uh, i i don't know the germans just the Germans are so concerned about their history in the last century that they they're scared of their own shadows now. It's outside our uh, our realm. Yeah. <laughs> All right. I will uh sign off. Please review us and this uh, retweet and tweet about our podcast to get the word out and we will talk to you later. All right, bye.